0: Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Cindy and Chrissy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with changing the ideals and expectations of motherhood.
1: Every other week, we dive into the topics that matter to moms most, answering your most pressing questions as we learn from top-notch experts, swap stories, tap into our creative sides, and advocate for the causes that moms truly care about. All while hanging with your mom friends.
0: We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in.
1: Today we have the pleasure of speaking with Sharice. Johnson. Charisse is an experienced clinical mental health therapist with over 20 years of experience serving as a counselor, consultant, and educator. She's a strong community advocate and is passionate about reducing the stigma around mental health. In what was an ironic twist of fate, this is actually the second take of our very first podcast recording. Charisse is a brilliant woman with a very generous heart, and we are so grateful to her for creating magic with us. For Mama Needs a Moment, not once, but twice. In this episode, we dive into everything from pocket peeps and couch time to gaslighting and the benefits of crying. We discuss the intricacies of developing a strong marriage, the importance of letting diet culture go, and the art of creating joy in your life through regular solo vacations. Wait, what? I know. You'll have to listen to hear more about it. If you need a little magic and inspiration in your life, this episode is for you. So excited to be here with you. This is the second chance that we have to speak with you. And again, as I said in an email to you, I feel like you're already one of my pocket peeps. Yes. I was this excited to hear that's so
0: exciting. <laughs> I love seeing your face.
1: You just said that smile lights me up. Sharice will possibly bring it up later, but what a pocket peep is, but it's pretty special. So I'll fill everybody in on the secret. (laughs) Okay, Sharice, we're going to do some rapid fire questions. There's seven of them. This is the style of Brene Brown. So just boom, 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 throw out your, your, your first thought. Okay. Okay. Fill in the blank. Motherhood is hard is my word today. Mm. Yes. (laughs) Constant (laughs) refrain to that one. Yes, indeed. Cleanest, cleanest room in your house. Mm, My
2: office at the moment.
1: Really? Yes. No papers? No papers. (gasps) I know. Take it all in. I I need some help in my (laughs) office then. You need to share your your tidbits. (laughs) I will. I will. I will. What is bringing your life sanity right now?
2: (sighs) My kids. So they are hard and yet so much a part of my sanity at the same time, because they'll say something that I'm like, oh, okay, you're right. Like, I'll keep you a little bit longer. So yeah, the dichotomy,
0: right?
1: It is. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it was super sweet. It's always good to remember too, when you're in those bad moments that there's, there's good in it too.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
1: What do you look for in a mom friend?
2: (sighs) Real laughter. You know, like both. I want you to be real and honest because none of us are perfect. And I need to laugh. Like, we need to, it can't be serious all the time. So, people that are willing to laugh, laugh at ourselves <laughs> and, you know, laugh at each other are, are two really important pieces to me.
0: That really hard air laugh where you're like, uh, oh, you like, s- you're like, oh, yeah, oh, you're like, are you like, are you like, are choking? I squawk, like, I'm like, Wah! yeah, and then- yeah. <laughs>
1: Those are the Uh, best. Cindy, your air laughs are the best.
0: (laughs) It starts as air and then all of a sudden it's like, boom. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Just (laughs) Forte comes in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Sharice, what is one thing you'd like to learn?
2: Oh, at the current moment, I probably need, oh, I don't know. I'm stumped today. I know what I said before, but I'm trying to think of something. You said need to learn, right? or want to learn what you'd like to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think i said like taekwondo or something the other time, but I, I really want to learn to tap back into my artistic creativity. You know, that's not something that I do well, which is why it would be good for me. But I know it's in there. It just requires me to like slow down and be patient and not want it to be good the first time. So I really do want to slow down and like go do something that's
1: messy and that I can't do well, but I'm going to enjoy the process. We had a a session with her circle, which is our community for moms through her health collective. We had a session with an art therapist and it was, Mm. we did found poetry. So we like cut pieces out of magazines and put it together. It was the most fun I have had all year. And I said the whole time, I'm going to become a found poet. I don't know if that's what they're called, but (laughs) (laughs) I want to do this again. And I haven't. We don't make that
0: time for ourselves. Yes. When you first started talking and you said, I want to tap. I was like, she's going to say tap dance. Oh, whoa.
2: I, I, you know, I took a little tap when I was later. I'm sure I could bring that out. No, I'm kidding. When I was little, no, that, I mean, I love dancing. We yeah. were going to do, my husband and I, who are now nesters, we're now in we're going to do salsa dancing before the world shut down. So we'll see how that goes in the future. It's not quite as fun to learn it online, but yeah. Yeah. What are you reading or
1: watching right now?
2: Yeah. So I just watched the movie Shadowlands, which is a super old movie. I had to watch it for class. I was salty about it, which means I was not happy in the beginning, but it's so good. And it really wrecked me at the end and gave me a perfect ending to a book that I'm writing. So that worked out well. And then reading is The Source of Self-Regard, which is a new book by Toni Morrison. And that woman has more knowledge and wisdom in her pinky finger than every part of my soul. But it's just a beautiful thing about how we see ourselves and speak and regard who we are, um, as people. So it's pretty,
1: pretty incredible. Beautiful. Adding That's it to my great. list. Yes. Okay. Uh, you just mentioned that you are an empty nester. Yes. So uh, this question, I guess, is easy for you, but mm-hmm. how do you picture your empty nest days? Yeah. You know, I didn't know what to picture because unfortunately
2: most of the people who talk about emptiness are the people who are having terrible experiences. And then you're like, should I be afraid? That's unfortunately what you see out there. It has been amazing. It has been like how it was when we first got married before kids and like having a romantic getaway with your husband every day and, and really enjoying it. So it's really sweet and you don't, Cook as much and you don't have as many things to do. It's great. Our grocery bill, I'm like, I got a bonus just because the kids left the house. This is awesome. You know, I'm no longer feeding constant kids, but it is pretty amazing to know, even with the kids gone, I am sitting across the room from someone that I truly enjoy. And I'm so thankful because I know that that's not everybody's story, but I love it. But we also worked to have it feel this way when they were gone. Ooh, that's,
0: yeah, that's a really interesting, I'd like to know more. Tell yeah. me.
2: Yeah, well, it's so important. A lot of times we have children and they come in and they're beautiful and they're wonderful, but we can switch the way our world is, making them dissenter and that's actually not their place. You know, I will often tell couples when I'm working with them that you and your spouse or partner, you're the nucleus of your family. So if the nucleus isn't healthy, the cell itself will not be healthy and and fall apart, but we switch that. Kids are the nucleus. And then we're out here just as particles in space. And then the kids leave and everything crumbles. And it's, I don't really know you or our paths haven't crossed. We haven't been intentional about staying connected with each other because we've been busy just doing things. And those things were the glue, not us. So it really is important to know that aside from being a mom, you are Chrissy and you are Cindy and you are a wife. And remember what that feels like just to be that and have time just to be that so that it gives you something to look forward to, you know, that it's kind of your anchor. So, you know, the kids are going to leave one day. Our our goal is to prepare them to leave and be able to then enjoy. Now we get to go back making each other our center of attention. That's the way it's intended to be.
1: Even as children are growing up, if they are watching their parents be that cohesive whole, that's healthy for them to see and to witness.
2: Yeah, and it's it's a source of safety actually for them. You know what I mean? Like kids will tease you and go like, you know, stop, you know, but they also secretly love it because as they get a little bit older, they also start to realize, okay, wait a minute, every family doesn't have the same dynamics you know, or they might have friends that are splitting time between multiple places. Um, And that doesn't mean that they're not finding love there, but they, their eyes open to it all. So they find security in the love that we show. And it's also healthy for them to recognize that they're not the center of attention forever because then they take that into the world. And then that can be very disappointing for them, right? To leave home and go, wait a minute. So life doesn't revolve around what i want and need. And nobody's going to do what mom does, which is fly in and fix it all. Like I've got to do stuff on my own. What What is this? So we don't realize that we can lovingly enable our kids by having that picture, not have balance and they pay the price. And then you pay the price because you're ready to be done. And you're still so entrenched in their life because you kind of set them up not to be able to survive without you and didn't realize it.
0: So in this year that's been so chaotic and Uh a lot of the families have been together, Uh Mm -hmm. how do you recommend intentionality? You mentioned doing certain things. What what have you found? With
2: yourself or you mean like with your spouse or? I guess with
0: with your partner or your spouse or, I mean, by yourself is also important, but this just happened to be about our significant other. Sure, Um, yeah. we were talking.
2: You know, one of my favorite things that I believe is so beautiful is what I just call couch time. And that is 10 to 30 minutes a day where you are not on your phone, television's on, there is no background noise and you are touching each other in some way. And people are like, wait, what? I have to touch them, yes. Because it's a different level of intimacy if we're talking, but there's 10 feet of space. Behind us, you know, intimacy is not just about time to be sexually intimate at the end of the day when we're exhausted. You know, it is
0: all right. <laughs> I know,
2: right? Like, okay, last thing on the list. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it is meant to be like I am next to you, and your embrace is actually just what I needed because I was really anxious and having a hard day. And I always say, the the kind of rules are engagement, or it is not time to fix a problem it is not time to talk about what needs to be done or what you haven't done. It is time to go, how are you? Like, how are you really doing? You know, what do you need from me? Is there anything that I can give you, whether in this moment or going forward, that's gonna make you feel supported or to say, maybe I don't say it all the time, but I really do appreciate how you as a mom have bent over and turned yourself into a pretzel to keep everything going through this pandemic, to look at each other and remember what vulnerability is like. And that alone is such a huge catalyst. You know, we have to fight for it because it's easy to get caught up in, we wake up early in the morning, go, 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 go and go. And then, and so that piece is very, very important that undivided attention, to just love on one another and laugh. And the other thing that I would say, a lot of couples struggle because they're very used to being transactional. So their conversations that are deep are still more about what needs to happen or financial plans and not just each other. So purchase a deck of cards for couples from Amazon or a bookstore to get you started with the wild question of, you know, if you had a free weekend and five hundred dollars, you know, and we had no kids, what would you do with it? What a fun and, idea! Yeah, you know, just to say like, oh, I wouldn't have asked you that, like at all. And your answer surprised me. <laughs>
0: Who do you, do you have on a uh, like desert island? I mean?
2: yes, yes, me, right? It
0: right? be me. Right? We're like, <laughs> well, no. you better answer, right? <laughs> yes, right. You
2: know, time's ticking. But those are little pieces that we just don't even think about anymore. And it gives us some really good, you know, just insight on like, well, who is my spouse now? We're not the same as we were when we first met. There's no way. We're completely different people in certain aspects. So we have to continue to get to know each other. Otherwise, it's very scary. Think about that. 18, 20, 23 years later, depending upon how many kids you have, we're going to start getting to know each other. That's
1: a long divide
2: to try. And make up for
1: Charisse I love in theory mm-hmm. the couch time and yeah. the touch time mm-hmm. but at mm-hmm. the end of the day I was, I, wondering, about,
2: I I am was wondering I am about touched touched I know where you're going sure so here's the thing a it doesn't have to be the end of the day I will tell a couple choose whatever part of the day that you're both actually awake <laughs> and it would be en- enjoyable to have that time together and honestly with this year of the pandemic most of them are choosing like a lunch to mid-afternoon time because one person is not a morning person we know you know <laughs> one or the other is not <laughs> a morning person. yeah like I'm quintessential morning person my husband is night person so um, we know our boundaries there but you know yeah but choose a time where you both know, like, no, I will actually be okay with this and not feel like I'm going crazy. And again, it is good for the kids to go, you know, unless they're like two, you can survive without us for the next 20 or 30 minutes. You know, this is what I want you to do and go self contain because this is important. So yeah, end of the day, I feel you. It's It's hard. But then here's the other part of that that I will say. That's also part of the issue is we give to everyone except each other. Wow, So the other aspect of it is, yeah, we will everything into making sure kids, people, work, passions, responsibilities have everything. And then our spouse, we're like, uh, tomorrow, maybe because I don't have anything left. It's true.
0: So I started to laugh before because I thought she was going to go into not whether you're a morning person or evening person, but if you're not a cuddle or a touch person, like if that's not your quote unquote, love language.
2: Not mine, but touch doesn't have to be, we are cuddling. It is, we are next to each other close enough that I can kind of feel you, you know, we might be on a couch and I'm sitting with my back on one end, you're sitting with your back on another end and we are facing each other, but I I agree. My husband's primary love language is touch. It is my last of the last love language. And it is something that I have had to really go, okay, yes, this kind of irritates you because it's not your way to receive, but it's his. And we have a tendency to give love the way we want it and not the way our spouse does. We give out of our own love language because that's what we like. So it takes a completely different ballgame for me to go. I need to let him have all of those touches and not make him feel rejected because that's not how I receive love. Yeah, it's not easy.
0: I'm assuming that this is probably a common struggle that comes up with several of the mothers that you talk to as clients. What are some other struggles that you see the Mm -hmm. moms dealing with right now? And what's your biggest piece of advice?
2: Sure. Struggles that I see that are very common right now are exhaustion and feeling guilty about not having enough energy to manage all of the things on their plate, but also not really taking into context. You have never parented in a pandemic before. There is not enough energy in the world for that. You know, so self-doubt with, am I enough? Am I doing enough? No matter what I do, it seems like some child or some somebody's needs aren't taken care of. Feeling guilty for wanting time alone, you know, but again, going back to one of the biggest struggles and concerns that I have for my moms right now is, you all have been the, one of the greatest casualties of this pandemic because the moment everything changed, you had to go into action and literally you're having to rise every day and figure out how do I put this puzzle together all day long and without the kids appropriately going to their various places and school or those things which are not bad, if they, they do go outside of the home, you're on all the time. From the moment you wake up until the moment you crawl your burning eyes, yes, I know, into bed, somebody is requiring something for you. And I will say this because you may have moms that are homeschooling. It's still the same for them because the things that they would do with their children in terms of co-ops or taking them to go and meet other families, that's still taken away and made life very small. So pieces of advice is one, is to always take a really honest inventory of the reality of this season. Uh, Two, I would say, find your pocket peeps, you know, the people (laughs) that you can talk to every day and be honest about what you're going through and, and what you feel, because again, we're also filtering We don't want our kids to know we're too stressed. We, depending upon the scenario, we don't want our spouses to know we're trying to keep everything inside. You've got to have somebody that you can go to and go, I'm about to lose it. I'm, I feel so stretched and I don't feel like I can go on another day that can either make you air laugh or, you know, say, hold tight. I just door dashed you some donuts. Everything's going to be okay in an hour. You know, all of those things, extremely valuable. And you will want to find what nourishes you. You've got to take the time to go while everyone else is getting taken care of. What do you need? Because moms are infamous for getting free time and then using it to take care of things, Mm. which is not what I mean by
0: nourish. Yes.
2: (laughs) I've got a free hour. So I'm just going to get on the computer and order because it's going to make me feel so good. No, 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 no. Yeah. So nourish is you're just giving and receiving. I fully recommend that every mom have, I know this is a dream, 30 minutes a day in the quiet and dim in silence.
0: What? Yes. I started laughing before when you said have special time because side note story. Yeah. I went to use the bathroom Mm -hmm. and I went up, closed the door, sat down. I was like, okay. I hear thump thump, 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 which means a mm-hmm. kid is coming. Mm-hmm. She opens the door. She comes yep. in. She's like, oh good mom, this is the perfect time. I need to uh, talk to you. And I'm I like, this cornered. is not the perfect time. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how do you personally approach when your kids were home or sure. when obstacles when you needed to hunt yeah. yourself, et cetera? Yeah. What, did, what Co- did you do?
2: A couple of different things that have been helpful for me so I am a morning person so I would wake up early enough that I knew all of them were sleeping if I wasn't a morning person would I do it I probably wouldn't want to do it but I I do often tell my moms who aren't morning people but how do you feel when you have a morning that you start with just you versus when you start with everyone and everything when you're laying there And the moment you open your eyes, there's a kid in front of you is a very different start to your day than, you know, what you're doing. I'm not saying get up, get dressed and like put on makeup and do your hair. I'm just saying crawl from the bed to the couch, you know, but still (laughs) sit there, you know, by yourself and just breathe for a moment before it starts the day. So that's one thing that I do. I, and still do this once a quarter, will take a weekend by myself where different airbnbs or the beach i my husband won't listen to this podcast so i can say this one or i have a very very (laughs) close friend that i've known since i was 11 um her name is Kristen, and she is like my honeymoon you know and so i will go see her for the weekend because it's just a different dynamic there and the first time that i did it people thought i was the devil, like, oh, you're leaving your family by yourself for an entire oh. and I was like, absolutely. And guess what? They have an able-bodied father who can take really great care yes. of them. And they're going to be fine. And it's good for them. And no, in case you're wondering, I'm not cooking meals before I leave. I'm not cleaning the house. I'm not doing everything to give myself permission to feel better about leaving. I'm leaving. I really don't care what you guys eat. Just eat something, don't burn the house down, and then have the house clean before I come back in. You know, <laughs> most importantly. Oh, most yeah. Important step. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I don't even want to know what happens while I'm gone. You guys do what you do because there's fun stuff that they're going to do with that. But those moments, because that is one of the ways that I nourish is time alone were just so helpful for me to remember what it was not, what it's like not to be in demand, to like read a book and finish a chapter and hear myself think or actually choose what I would like to have for dinner. Those pieces are important. But that being said, find what you enjoy and what brings you and gives you life and don't discredit the importance of that. We cannot pour into our families well out of an empty cup. And in case you haven't wondered, there's not a lot of people who are going to fill our cups, right? We have to do that ourselves. I will often give last analogy to the people that I work with that we often kind of wake up with a symbolic cup and then spend our day hoping that someone is going to pour into it and then feeling very disappointed that we're Laying back down and that cup is still very empty, um, which can also lead us into situations that aren't healthy for us because we're just so desperate to be poured into in some way, whether that's taking on something that we think is going to be life-giving. We have a beautiful opportunity every day to pour into our own cup. And that way, whatever I get from anyone else in my life, it's an overflow. It's a bonus, but I'm not dependent upon it for my own source. And so just really seeing the beauty in better to pour out of my overflow than going, I don't have anything in here, but now I need to find something to to be able to operate off of fumes to try and give to my family and the other people in my life.
1: This episode is sponsored by Her Circle, the supportive and welcoming community for moms created by Her Health Collective.
0: Her Circle is a welcoming and supportive community for moms who are passionate about making change for themselves, their families, the community, and the world. Together, this village of women are revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves from an active, private online community and the incredible daily chats
1: hosted there to our many virtual gatherings, including support groups, mom's night out, volunteer opportunities, book club, family adventures, coffee chats, and so much more. We love providing moms the chance to connect and create
0: authentic relationships with one another. The network of experts in Her Circle are a phenomenal resource and provide great learning experiences for moms on topics ranging from women's health to parenting. We cover the issues that matter to moms the most, from virtual expert Q&As to one-on-one wellness minute consultations and support groups. We are committed to getting moms in front of the information, experts, and support they need most. To learn more
1: about Her Circle, Head to www.HerHealthCollective.com slash her dash circle. We have a limited number of spaces and the doors only open a few times a year. So be sure to add your name to the no obligation waitlist So you are the first to know when the doors officially reopen. Gosh, mm-hmm. yes. To be the source of your own strength. How powerful is that? Yeah, it, it is especially hard when you reach a point in life where the identity that you've always carried with you no longer serves you. Mm-hmm. This is something that we often see happen for moms. We know that you do a lot of identity development work with your clients. Would you talk to us a bit about the process of rediscovering who we mm-hmm. are and mm-hmm aligning with our true self in this moment? Sure. Yeah. So a big part of it is being able
2: to first go in this moment. What are you recognizing about your current identity? You know, what are the kind of signs and symptoms that are also letting you know that this identity is not aligning well with your natural temperament? You know, where are you not feeling at peace in your life? That could look like not sleeping well, hair falling out, appetite changes, weight changes, um, feeling more irritable, anxious, depressed. A lot of those physical and emotional symptoms are also attached to our identity because our identity often gauges our pace. So based on what I think of myself will often be in parallel what I feel like I have to do. We will look at a lot of things like should statements. And I will say, I want you to write down on any given day, all the things you tell yourself that you should be doing. And they're like, ooh that That'd is be a, a long list. list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and and then notice how many of those things also create a lot of feelings around you. And then it's a time for us to go, when did you start believing that what happened or who was in your life that led you to believe in order for me to be a good mom or a good person this is who I have to be what are you digesting what are you taking in social media is classic that we constantly look and view all of the moms that we consider the most perfect in the world and then wonder why we feel terrible (laughs) about ourselves because that's not real it's it's a highlight reel even the ones that attempt to tell you that oh they had a hard time they're still doing it in this very beautiful way that has this perfectly happy ending and that is very damaging and detrimental so from that point of where am I how do I know that it's not working well where did this message come from we really go through a process of what do you want to break up with You know, what are you connected to that you want to cut ties with because you realize that the cost is now too great and then exploring what are the fears around that? Because a lot of times we can get stuck in a certain identity, but we're terrified to go in a different direction because we feel like we'll let other people down. We'll lose relationships. Um, We're afraid to be who we really want to be because the people that surround us know us this way will they still accept us if people really see who i am will they still love me
1: what what is an action step a mom can take to begin to find their own voice and connect with that identity
2: yeah i would say one of the most simple in my opinion action steps that they can take is to say no to something without giving an explanation. So we will sometimes say no to things, but we will also feel like it has to be justified and want to give an elaborate reason of why we can't do it. But finding our power of no for whatever reason we have, but not feeling like we need to give a dissertation about it afterwards is one of the ways that we begin to reclaim our power. And then find your yes. Do one thing that you want to do just for you and create the time and the commitment to do that and work through how you feel about telling yourself yes. Work through the guilt, work through the distress of, I feel bad because I really wanted to do this pottery class or or whatever it may be. And a lot of times people want to go to big but it's the small daily steps that are going to help you. Where do I want to say no so that I can say yes? And then just beginning to notice like, oh, this feels so much better. Like I'm sleeping better. I'm not as anxious. I'm not yelling at my kids by Thursday because I'm overwhelmed, because I'm redistributing now that ebb and flow between my yes and my no.
0: I absolutely, so we hear...
1: Say no, we hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. I love find your yes, like, yeah, find that thing that mm-hmm. makes you come alive and brings you passion into your life. And mm-hmm. I, I wrote that down.
0: Yes, like that. good. Yes, <laughs> it's important. So important. Well, oftentimes when we start justifying things, when we say no, the other person doesn't really care, yeah. it's more the justification is for us. Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we feel guilty or we're processing through our own emotions. Is that Mm -hmm. what you find? Absolutely. But, and
2: here's the other part of it too. You will often see who are the people in your life that also don't align when you start saying the no or the yes, right? The Mm -hmm. people in my life that are truly kind of for me, if I say no, they're going to be like, okay, girl, well, I'll catch you next time. Because they're your pocket peeps. Because they're your pocket peeps, you know, (laughs) or they are good with wherever you are and they don't add pressure, right? Because a lot of times we have people in our lives that we care about, but they add pressure or sadly you will have moments that you sometimes find you're justifying it because you've also been conditioned by these people that if you tell them no, they're going to add pressure, that's going to make you feel even worse. So they kind of manipulate you into saying yes. And that's what a lot of, different people find. And, and so sometimes they say yes to things that they don't want to do because they want to avoid confrontation. Oh,
0: and, that's and, me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, like my Enneagram twos. Mm. Oh, that's me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and my nines, I'll just add my, you know, helpers and my peacemakers. I love you guys. You're amazing. But they're e- people manipulate their heart. Um, And then they're naturally so empathetic that it's also really challenging, but then it can be really lonely because sometimes then what you find is when you need help, you don't have people in your life that reciprocate because they're so used to you doing everything. And then it reinforces, okay, well, then I guess I just won't have any needs because nobody's going to meet them. My only worth and value, the way I get anything out of anybody is me helping, helping them. And that's a painful message that a lot of women
1: carry.
0: We were talking about identity, and one of the things that you had mentioned was gaining or losing weight. So essentially, body image. Mm-hmm. And many, many, many women place their value or their identity in their body image or the way that their physical body looks. And I know that you do a lot of work mm-hmm. with clients that have eating disorders, and you actually were the contributor and curriculum advisor to a, a short documentary that's on your, your website. I think it was with Compass and Light. I think that's mm-hmm. who, who that was Silent,
2: Silent Images, yeah. The series is Compass and Light, which is great because they have them about suicide, eating disorders and addictions and other major topics, yeah.
0: Yeah, in this particular one, Dr. Preeti Patel Matkins had a quote and she said, using food is a nonverbal way of communicating what people are experiencing. How do we as mothers make strides in the seemingly unwinnable war against diet culture and standards Mm -hmm. of perfection that we measure our identity against and we, our value? Mm
2: -hmm. You know, one of the analogies that I think can be very helpful is a lot of times our relationship with food is runs parallel to other unmet needs in our life. So I might feel out of control. So then I'm gonna go start a diet because I feel like it's gonna give me a sense of power, of discipline, of regaining this feeling that I have of feeling strong, seeing a lot of that always, but definitely seeing even more of that during this season. It's being able to recognize Most women would agree you've not been happy at any size, right? Right, That every size along the continuum, you found something to pick apart, to not like, to not be accepting of. And even if we start there, it's going, okay, so the issue really doesn't have anything else to do with my body. What am I really picking apart? What am I really feeling like? is a void. sometimes when i'm working with somebody that has a body image challenge i'll ask them to write down all of the adjectives they would use to describe their body you know they might say full or wide or overwhelming and then i'll say what else in your life feels that way and they're like oh these are the things right but i can't control those things so i internalize they internalize and they self punish we have this if then if my body looks this way then i will feel more confident and we have to just recognize the deceit and the the lie in that and how it steals our time and energy to understand that the diet industry is a billion dollar industry that is still going because it's playing off of the fact that after you lose weight you regain only to want to lose again you know I'll tease and go whole 30s only 30 days for a reason right because on day 31 everybody's posting a picture right of everything that they didn't eat for the 30 the days and then we have to go, Yes. <laughs> how many times do we do whole 30 like why suffer you know for 30 days only to do that and then it really comes down to being able to Trust ourselves and find resources and the support we need to heal our relationship with our body. And find what are the things that I'm really hiding and hurting, and how can I appropriately work on those things so that I can stop believing that the answer is going to be there on on my body because it is an exhausting and expensive uh, <laughs> battle. To be under where it will leave you constantly feeling like you're never good enough. And, you know, the last thing I'll say on that is I love taking people through the history of really any culture, but Western civilization. The quote unquote perfect body changes every few years. There is no way to keep up, it is impossible to always have what's in. And that's why it is also so important for us to just really be comfortable with with who we are and where we are, and see the beauty of what our body allows us to do, you know, the privilege, the the way it carries us, the way it's allowed us to hold and and carry our children, um, for those of us that can. Um, the way that it puts up with two to three children dragging on you at any given time, or right? Or coming and running and jumping up. Um, our bodies, they are there for us. They are not against us. They help us so much. And they really just want to be loved in return. And we just have to exclude and push away any message that contradicts that.
1: Absolutely. Bringing awareness to mental health disorders and using a health at every size approach to improve weight stigma are mm-hmm. issues that you are very passionate about. Can you tell us a bit about your work and how you are creating change in those areas within your yeah. community? Sure. One of the big pieces as much like we're doing right now is educating
2: women on there is another way. Health at every size is a concept that you know relies on data to help people understand the science behind our bodies and the fact that you know being on a diet is contraindicated you know years later it is it is not sustainable and has done more damage than it's worth and understanding concepts like intuitive eating which is being able to understand and believe all foods fit in moderation eating according to your hunger cues and your satisfaction and fullness and then being able to move on instead of having fair food. So education, education is a big piece because one of the biggest challenges is we almost have too much information. You know, everywhere you go, there's a different school of thought on food. So it's led to a lot of confusion or it's led to a lot of morality. You know, food is this moral value where we feel like we're being more moral if we fall under this category or less moral there, and that really messes up our ability to be moderate. Um, I am also just a huge proponent of getting in your body. I'm also a registered yoga teacher and really love helping women embrace what their body can do, Um, working with moms and daughters specifically, helping moms to see the messages that they quietly um, or not so quietly sometimes pass on Mm -hmm. to their daughter's as well as trying to get into schools and educating teachers and coaches um, and directors of different parts of organizations on language and how to be very cautious about the language that they use. Here in Charlotte, we are working on a program that we're going to help one of the private independent schools who's open to it have a progressive body image program that will start at kindergarten and go all the way up to seniors. And in bite-size appropriate pieces, teach children about body image and what it looks like and um, how to protect it and honor it and to protect other people that they hear that are saying things that, that aren't harsh. But knowledge is, is power and then making space to just have honest, hard conversations, courageous conversations about topics like this.
1: Words okay. that we use are so very important. That would be amazing to see that program just nationally Absolutely. and in all the We're schools. Helping. I'm my I'm watching. I'm keeping my fingers and <laughs> eyes crossed. Yes. So these are issues that our community of moms are also very passionate about, and we know so many moms would love to work on bringing awareness to those in their own personal social circles and communities, or even improving their own understanding of these topics. But we often feel lost as to how to actually go about it and make a difference. Mm-hmm. Do you have any suggestions or an action step a mom could take today if she was looking to become more involved in these types of movements?
2: Yeah. Educate yourself. Intuitive eating is a great book. Evelyn Triboli is awesome. Look up, read not research, but enough about health at every size to understand it and ask yourself how you feel about it. And then my favorite action step is your home is your greatest source of power and we can overlook the magnitude of how that can move the needle if we're all working towards what would this look like in my home because that's the place where we have the most choice so little ways to do that we actually do um kind of a training with mothers and daughters is go through and ask yourself, how do we talk about food in our home? Um, Do we give all food equal value or do I as a mom often categorize and call food as good and bad? And how is that being carried out? Because every child is also going to hear that and take that in very, very differently. How do I speak about my body? You know, where am I willing to work on that and change that in my home? Another thing that I would encourage is in your pantry, do you have regular, just normal foods or do you have like the shelf? I think some of you know what I'm talking about. If you've got all of your like high low diet, high protein, you know, what message is that serving? And I'll often encourage moms as well, when you're doing your pantry and putting things in a pantry. If possible, if it's within your possibility, take it out of the packaging and put it in plastic bags or clear containers from the container store so you just see the food. Or at the least, turn around the labels. You'll be surprised at how quickly kids start reading labels and they're hearing you talk and they're hearing commercials and start counting calories or going, this has trans fat in it. Is it that okay all of those small ways where can you move the needle in your home or if that gives you a strong reaction and makes you nervous go talk to somebody because we have seen that too where the thought of not having protein and two vegetables every night for dinner creates panic and really knowing what parts of your own story are in need of repair
0: and healing. What was the program again that you you had mentioned for the mother and daughter? Do you remember that?
2: It's just, it's not, there's no name of it. It's myself and another dietitian. Her name is Christy Maloney. She's a certified registered eating disorder, registered dietitian. So a couple of times a year, we go through and do a program that we're going to end up taking online that just talks about raising intuitive eaters Mm -hmm. and helping moms give language to how to incorporate that habit in your home in a way that you still feel that you are educating and encouraging your children to have a healthy relationship with food. Because the biggest misconception is people get in their mind that intuitive eating is the opposite of dieting. So dieting, they think rigid, take things away. You can only have a few things. People hear intuitive eating and they think okay, that terrifies me because you're telling me that I can eat everything all the time. We're saying eat variety. Yes. We still need micronutrients and micronutrients and all those different aspects, but there's a way to do it without making it feel that you need to go take a three mile walk because you went to go get a cone of ice cream. Right. Right, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you use a lot of different techniques to help your clients. Mm -hmm. I know there's, Cognitive behavioral therapy. And you have a couple in your office, two of which are called Zytobiocommunication Technology. Mm-hmm. I immediately wanted to go, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is that? And Zyto. then you have something else called brain spotting. I'm yeah. so curious. Can you explain these in more detail?
2: Yes. So I'm going to try and keep it brief because I could totally geek out on these forever. So Both are what we call complementary approaches, you know, that can go along with anything that you are doing in your life. Zyto is an electromagnetic source that takes your palm of your hand that you lay down on an FDA approved machine. And it literally scans and goes through kind of the uh, electromagnification in your body. To see all of the various systems of your body and how they're operating. Depending upon the level of the person that you are doing it with, it will show you a number of different aspects in terms of your hydration, stressors, certain emotions that you are holding, how you are taking in environmental stimulants. Shortly after we were in the pandemic, I get a Zyto myself from another person uh, probably once a quarter and mine registered high for the gamma rays that come from electronic. And so it was just showing that that part of my body was way off, which was also matching up with some other physical things that I was feeling like I didn't even think about that. So I needed to really recalibrate and go, well, now that I'm online an extra eight hours because we have to do everything through zoom and i'm in grad school which is also online i've got to unplug and back away and i was able to make those adjustments move things around get pieces around me which brought my energy level back up because that was a big part of what it was kind of pulling out of me in particular brain spotting is a body-based approach. That focuses on being in this attuned relationship with the person who is working with you. And it is using the eye gaze to help manage areas of sub-middle brain where we store all of our really difficult moments and memories and struggles. We use it to help people get through blocks in athletic performance or work through confidence stress, addiction, highly used for trauma, anxiety, depression. It can be used for a number of things. And here's why it's so powerful. So many times we get caught up in our prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of our brain. And we think ourselves to death, (laughs) you know, trying yes to like figure it all out. It is exhausting. And we're right back at where we started. But the really tough issues that we hold are in that midbrain and those can't be accessed the same way. But based on our eye gaze and working through mindful processing, it's almost like if you had a hose that had a knot in it, it's a way of using that process to kind of release that knot, which then kind of opens up your thinking better. That midbrain is where we gain our power of being rational. It is the difference between I want to create a new pattern that I think is very helpful, but my lizard brain, which is in the front, is really impulsive and just wants to do all the fun, great things. And then I keep doing the same thing over and over. But if I can get into that midbrain and access that part of me better because I've kind of released some of these other things that are holding me back, then I can step into my potential and really operate there without feeling like I'm fighting against myself. If we want to, move forward in any area of our life, we still have to kind of recognize what are we still carrying that we need to release, Um, whether that's on a conscious level or a subconscious level, things that we've just pushed away and haven't had time to be able to address.
0: Are you asking specific questions of individuals that, and then you just monitor their eyes? So you're not necessarily
2: asking a question. It would be like someone coming in and me saying, What is something you feel like has been really heavy on you recently that you'd like to process? And then, you know, take a moment and just bring that to mind. And what are you noticing physically as you bring that to mind? We have meridians of our body that run horizontally and vertically. And so we go through a process of kind of asking them with their eye gaze to track a pointer or a finger. And it is wildly amazing how there will be certain spaces where you're going to feel like, oh, that feels so bad right there. But then you can keep going and you find like, okay, that's better. But we actually go back to the activation spot for the most part and go through a process of you're in a container right now that is safe and supportive. So unlike any other time in your life when you're like, I don't want to go there That's scary, let's hold there for a moment and just work through that. And so there's not a lot of talking. So it's actually really valuable for people who are like, I know this is there, but I don't have a ton of words. I'm not ready to sit down and and clarify it all. Um, But there's still an engagement that happens with our eye gaze and how it's connected to our brain stems that allows that process to be happening even in relative quiet.
0: Fascinating.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. an amazing experience.
0: Sorry, I know it too long. No, it
1: sounds amazing. <laughs> well, speaking of releasing of emotions, I have been accused in my lifetime of <laughs> being a crier. I, I have, you know, cried at Kleenex commercials. It's happened. Yes. But I personally know that there are benefits to crying. My partner Mm -hmm. and I kind of go back and forth on this. He doesn't understand how I cry so often, but Mm -hmm. I know that there are benefits to it. However, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. Is crying always beneficial and always healing for us? Or are there times when crying can actually do more harm than good?
2: Yeah. Crying is always beneficial, always beneficial, you know, (laughs) now we as humans may not feel, yes, you were, you could have him listen to the spot. We as humans may not feel like it's beneficial because of the stigma that is behind crying. It is other people's feelings about crying that will make us feel like it's not okay. But crying is just like we're talking about those other aspects, how our body releases emotion. When I am connected and working with someone, I'm more concerned if they haven't cried. And not that you have to cry all of the time, but where is that emotion going? If it doesn't release, it's being internally stored. And that's when we see inflammation or stress or physical pain. That's where people feel anxious or feel panicked. So crying is one of the most fartic ways for our nervous system to release pent-up pressure. That is why children cry when they're small. It is their way of communicating, and we learn to connect to them, but we also teach them a lot about is it okay to cry and is it not. We're still working as a country on giving males an opportunity to cry without shutting them down because we often have a tendency to support Uh, a girl when she's crying and when a a little boy's crying we try and brush it away real crap you know real fast and and distract them but the last thing I want to say just to give an analogy when we're working with really small children and you could probably even see videos that talk to this on YouTube just to give a visual if a baby is in a situation let's say they're in an orphanage or in a home where they're not being attended to when they're crying it is developmentally damaging to them. Because what it does is it sets in motion my emotions are not okay. So I have to turn those off because no one is coming to show me how to self-soothe. And then you have adults later in life who might have performative empathy, like they're smart enough to know I should probably ask your if you're okay because I know that's the right thing to do. But you can see there's no affect in their face. They You know that they're not really attending, but they're like, I want you to stop. And what can we do to get you out of this moment? But that often comes from a a history of all emotions don't fit. I only want the ones that I accept. and, And we perpetuate that, which is really damaging. But I've also worked with so many marriages where there's a, it feels like a barrier to their ability to really connect, you know, like one partner may say, like, I know that they love me, but I never really feel it because I could be going through a really hard time and they just, I don't feel like they're there with me. And I'm, you know, you're not asking them to cry, but you know, when somebody is emotionally connected to you. So it's a necessary part of that process. And in some ways it's just, yeah, an emotion, a level of emotional intelligence that has not been turned on, but the challenge is birth to seven is that zone of development. And if the ingredients haven't been put in, then it's extremely difficult to find that later. And we also see that those can be individuals, male or female, that have very harsh personalities that can be abusive in certain situations and in relationships later. So that's also a huge red flag long-term.
0: Are those the type of people that might turn to gaslighting? Yes, they are.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because again, if you think about it, if, if I've learned that my emotions in kind of this normative way are not going to be addressed, we still have a need to have our needs met. So we then turn to manipulation, right? Kids manipulate anyway. They just get caught and laugh. And then we go like, sweetheart, you know, you don't need to do that in order to get mommy's attention or whatever the case may be. But yeah, other people who don't have that need met well through a number of ways then learn well if i give just enough to pull people in then i then control how they respond to me and then i feel powerful because if someone said well i'll give you something to cry about then that might make me feel weak so i can also determine i am never going to feel weak again And now I'm determined to always be powerful and manipulate or take advantage of people who may have a more tender temperament um, of any gender, you know, that I have. So that can be a very common thread that we see.
0: Would you be able to define gaslighting?
2: Yeah. So gaslighting is intentional emotional manipulation That usually involves someone conditionally meeting your needs only to pull back on those needs if you don't follow through or act in the way they want. So it's a way of them coercing you, kind of like a a dangling carrot. When you are then a victim of gaslighting, it makes you feel like you feel like you're going crazy. You know, you question your own judgment. Because they may tell you, no, that's not true. No, that's not what happened. No, that's what you think. Nope, that's not what happened. And they manipulate the version of the story or they tell you you are too sensitive. You're just being too sensitive. If you weren't so sensitive, this wouldn't be a problem. Other people don't feel this way. And they also have a tendency to isolate. So part of the control is to diminish or make your life small to where you don't have a lot of other relationships so that you don't have any comparison to what is healthy versus unhealthy or a lot of people who are in situations where they have been under the constant outpour of gaslighting often don't feel good enough and it's at a completely extra level than the normal every day i don't feel good enough but they have been really torn down to the point that they won't also believe it's okay for them to have relationships one because it's protective and they don't want people to see who they really are but they have been made to believe that they aren't good and wouldn't be liked by other people and so it's a way of just trying to stay safe and so they isolate and withdraw
1: so, we actually have a question from one of our moms. Uh, she wanted to know if there was a way to gently tell a friend that you think her partner is gaslighting them.
2: Yeah, I would say, as long as it's someone that you truly have a good friendship with and they know that you're coming from a place of love and you have an opportunity to get them away from the environment that might be threatening. It can be a very valuable conversation. A lot of the women in particular that I've worked with who have been victims of gaslighting have been so relieved when someone else saw it. Because again, they're in this place of confusion in their mind and that part of them knows that, no, this is not okay. But then there's another part of them that goes, well, are they right? Maybe it is me. And so when someone else that you know and you love and you trust can see it, it can be very relieving. And a way to start it can be, are you okay? You seem different. You used to A, B, and C, but I've noticed here, is everything all right? And so it gives them still an opportunity to kind of broach the conversation themselves. And then really being able to kind of start with, you know, it seems like what you're experiencing is really unhealthy. How are you feeling? Are you eating? Are you sleeping? So you just kind of work your way because they're going to kind of let you know how ready they are. But typically they are so relieved to have someone that they can be honest with and and that isn't going to run away from their lives because of this ugly secret typically that they're keeping.
1: Thank you for answering that. We have one final question from a mom. She asked, "How would you recommend dealing with change that leads you in a different direction from that of a longtime friend?
2: Yeah, it's really challenging. You want to ask yourself first, but what's the cost if I stay? You know it's one of the most important questions to ask because again, it's a long-term friend. We want to be there for them. There's the guilt of leaving, and we think so much about them that we don't always consider. But what's the cost to your own health and emotions if you stay in that situation? It's also helpful, depending upon the safety of the situation, to know it doesn't have to be an all-or-none process. You don't have to go to them and announce what's happening unless you feel like you need to. It can be a slow, gradual backing away of resetting and redefining the relationship, and that is helpful in in a couple of different ways. One, it gives you an opportunity to work through the emotions of breaking that attachment and an opportunity to build others, not that you're replacing people, but when we have a loss, we absolutely still need to have supports in other areas of our life. So redefining by setting boundaries, spending less time, sometimes a really great way to start that process is just to even change the context of the conversation. So if this is a person who is hurting your trust is you may still talk with them, make it lighter. Don't share so much personal information that they may use later to manipulate you. So that's the beginning process of kind of taking back your power and then slowly being able to back away until you're ready to just communicate or kind of cut that off and just go I'm just moving in a different direction and this has been beautiful for the time that it was maybe you know but I feel the need to do some other things in my life oh, so hard but very very necessary.
1: Cherise I feel like I could just talk to you all night long. Yes, <laughs> yes. Ah, let's do it. It was such a joy to speak with you again and yes, just to, thank to you. learn from you. And... Thank you.
0: <laughs> wow, time seems to fly when speaking with Sharice. She is a source of knowledge in so many topics. In the beginning of our conversation, we hit Sharice with some quick answer questions. She's currently watching Shadowlands and reading Source of Self Regard by Toni Morrison. You'll find those links in our show notes. And let's move on now to our three takeaways from our conversation with Sharice. Number one, when we have kids, we often make them the center of our worlds and that's not their place. You and your partner are the nucleus of the family. If the nucleus isn't healthy, then the cell won't be healthy. Be intentional about staying connected with each other and your own identity. Sharice suggested having couch time with your partner which is a time to connect without distraction. Continue to get to know each other by having intentional conversation rather than what we often have as transactional conversation, which means you're avoiding discussing work, kids, finances, et cetera, when you're trying to connect. There are fun decks of cards to purchase that have interesting questions meant to stimulate conversation. And we thought that was a great idea. Number two, We spend our day hoping someone else will fill our cup and end up being disappointed when it doesn't happen. You need to do it yourself and not depend on others to do it for you. Some actions Cherise suggested to fill your cup are find out what nourishes you, what you enjoy, and don't discount the value of it. Ask yourself, what do I need? Spend 30 minutes in quiet and dim perhaps getting up a little bit earlier than your family in order to have time to center yourself. Find people you can talk to daily that you can be honest and genuine around. Sharice referred to this as your pocket peeps. We thought that was really cute. Number three, when we asked Sharice, how do we as mothers make strides against diet culture and standards of perfection? She said, your home is your greatest source of power. It's where you have the most choice. She then provided a series of questions to ask yourself, one of which was, in our home, how do we talk about food and how do I talk about my body? Where am I willing to make changes? There's our three. And then trust me, it was hard to keep it there at three. Hi five, friend. We had so much fun with you. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to leave a review. We love hearing what you have to say. Until next time, stay true to you.